This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hi, it's Jamie, Progressive's Employee of the Month, two months in a row. Leave a message at the... Hi, Jamie. It's me, Jamie. I just had a new idea for our song about the Name Your Price tool. So when it's like, tell us what you want to pay, hey, 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 and the trombone goes, blah, 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 and you say, we'll help you find coverage options to fit your budget. Then we just all do finger snaps while a choir goes, savings coming at ya, savings coming at ya. Yes? No? Maybe? Anyway, see your practice tonight. I got new lyrics for the rap break. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You are listening to On the Daily, the Rotoviz Daily Fantasy Sports Podcast, powered by Rotoviz Radio. Hey everyone, welcome to the Saturday, October 14th, 2017 NBA edition of On the Daily, brought to you by Rotoviz Radio. I'm Matt Lamarca on Twitter at Matt Lamarca, and I'm joined tonight by Vince Long, who you can find on Twitter at WakeWorkWake. Vince, how we doing today? Doing good, man. Just uh, ready to do a podcast with uh, ending on the best team in the National Basketball Association. So everybody should be excited. <laughs> yeah, you'll, <laughs> you'll have to wait, I guess, to find out what that team is. Uh, super excited. Basketball is right around the corner. First games are starting up on Tuesday. The road of his NBA pass is officially active now, and we are offering early bird pricing through uh, midnight on Sunday. So I recommend... Love a good deal? Sail into the season at Banana Republic Factory's Mega Labor Day Sale. Entire store 50 to 70% off. Dresses from $19.99. Polos from $16.99. Find your nearest store or shop online only at Banana Republic Factory. And checking that out, you get $10 off, and then you can also get a 30% discount if you subscribe through the podcast homepage. That is rotaviz.com slash NBA podcast. We're going to have tons of content this year, so I really recommend taking advantage of the early bird pricing while you can. And I also ask, as always, that you just guys uh, please rate and review us on iTunes. Let's start with the New Orleans Pelicans. They are coached by Alvin Gentry. It is his third year with the team. They were uh, 34 and 48 last season, tied for 25th in offensive efficiency, tied for 8th in defensive efficiency, and they were 9th in pace. This year, their Vegas over-under is at 39.5, and and they are plus 2,000 to win the division, plus 6,600 to win the conference, and plus 15,000 to win the title. As far as additions go, they added Rajon Rondo, Darius Miller, Ian Clark, and Tony Allen. They lost Tim Frazier, Donatus Montiunis, and Dante Cunningham, and that obviously goes with the big DeMarcus Cousins trade that they made at the All-Star break last year. So let's start with that. How successful do you see this Anthony Davis DeMarcus Cousins pairing being this season? Because it's a, it is kind of a weird fit to think about. Oh, it truly is. I mean, these guys, you're you're never before this actually happened, nobody had ever really considered this because I mean that's they're almost the same human. Like it's almost the same game in a way. Um, but they're gonna feed these guys. I think for fantasy wise, they're both gonna be great. 
Um, it might be tough to if you're just going to play one, but like throughout this preseason, I don't know if anybody's been playing preseason DFS, but you can pair them both up together and get a you know a nice ninety to hundred points between the two of them, and it's not a bad way to build your lineup. But um, I think they're going to work well together, man. I mean, Demarcus is a great passer. Um, they're both incredible rebounders. The team's not afraid to just feed them. I mean, you heard Tony Allen in the offseason. He says we have two giants. We're going to feed them. I mean, it's not a bad way to play basketball. Is having you know twin towers down low that can score from anywhere on the court. Definitely. And I mean, at least Anthony Davis is a little bit more perimeter orientated, so he can sort of, you know, hang out a little bit more on the perimeter and let DeMarcus work the inside. I'm a little bit more concerned about Davis, I guess, more than anybody. Last season when they shared the court together, uh, Davis's usage dropped pretty dramatically. It went from 33.7 all the way down to 27.6. His rebounding rate fell by about 3.5%. And he went from averaging 1.5 DK points per minute to 1.15. So a big drop in fantasy value when those two guys were on the court together. Now, granted, he's going to get plenty of minutes without Davis on the floor. I mean, if I was setting up the team, I would certainly be looking to do sort of what Houston's thinking about doing with James Harden and Chris Paul, which is making sure that one of the two was on the court at all times. But I still think that it definitely limits Davis's upside at least slightly. Yeah, I mean, obviously these guys are going to eat into each other. I mean, that's that's clear. But I feel like if they're both like just taking DraftKings, for instance, like, I mean, both these guys could see 11, 12K if they were on, you know, teams by themselves. But I think we're going to see them right there in like the low, like 10.2, 10.3 area for the majority of the season. And just because they're going to eat into each other. And yes, like they obviously don't have the upside that they once brought on a night to night basis, but I feel like both of them are still going to be monsters. And I mean, just, it's all about price, obviously. I mean, that's what the world we live in, but I just don't see their prices getting to the point where it's outrageous, you know? For sure. And I'm much less concerned about Boogie. I think that he's going to be the safer every night play of the two because he's gotten his regardless. Yeah. So yeah, he was and just, he was averaging so, one point five in Sacramento DK points, and he was at one point four seven in New Orleans, even when Davis was on the court. So he's going to get his regardless. Yeah, and I, I, I'm obviously we can look at the the end of the season last year for numbers, but like that's a middle of the season trade, you know, like spur of the moment. Like they can't just work them into the offense that quick. I feel like it's going to be a much better system this year. Now they've got some time. They've had the off season. They've got you know camp and preseason they've they've they can they've had time to work this out and work together so i feel like this is going to be a better version than what we saw at the end last year yes i I do agree with that um all right so with those two guys likely commanding i don't know roughly 60 percent of the possessions combined is that a fair thing to say yeah i I, i'm not going to argue with that what does that leave for a guy like drew holiday Oh, GPP consideration. <laughs> I don't think you're going to be playing Drew that often in cash because I don't see, think the shot volume is going to be there. Now, obviously, injuries are going to take a part. And the fact that Rondo is not going to be you know on the court to start the season is big for him, too. But obviously, three guys can put up numbers because the rest of the roster is atrocious. Um, I know that Dante Cunningham was supposed to sign with a new team, but he actually is back with the Pelicans. Oh, OK. Um, and then, I mean, if you look at the rest of the roster, who the hell is going to score points? You know, I mean, Ian Clark is probably the next best scorer on that bench that I'm looking at. Obviously, Etwan Moore, we know what he is, but I mean, Tony Allen's not scoring. I mean, that's this. So I think Drew's going to be able to get his in specific matchups, but man, it's going to be hard to go back to that well regularly. Yeah, I mean, even if he carves out a usage rate of like 20%, 
that still only leaves 20% for the rest of the team. Which I think is probably about right. Yeah, <laughs> no, I, I agree too. I, I think it's going to be a, a really, uh, a two-headed attack with a third, you know, I don't know, mini-head, I guess. <laughs> um, but I still am with you. I don't think that there's enough there consistently for Holiday to be somebody that I'm really going to be looking at very often. Yeah, I don't blame you. Uh, what do you think we can expect from Rondo when he does return from his injury? I don't know. Maybe I'm crazy, but I kind of am buying Rondo a little bit here. Um, I mean, I think he's going to rack up assists because, my God, he's going to have options to throw the ball to. Um, I, I don't I don't know how it's going to work because I am envisioning him and Drew playing together and with, you know, Drew off the ball. And I that's just I, I just think it's going to be for fantasy purposes i think it's going to be really really tough to peg the backcourt down on a night-to-night basis but uh for for real basketball i actually think that that's a very fun lineup because basically you have four guys that can that can handle the ball because i trust boogie with the ball maybe not as much with anthony davis but i mean he's pretty good at taking it up the court for a seven footer so i mean having that flexibility on an offense from from a real basketball perspective is incredible but for dfs I'm not that, that I'm saying I'm not buying Rondo. I just I mean it's gonna be it's gonna be tough to pay up for Rondo with the way that this roster is built. I think. Yeah, so it's gonna depend on his pricing. I don't think he's gonna be a very expensive. Where do you option. where do you see him landing? Like average, like if you had to give, give a, a an average salary for him, where do you think you'd land? Um, I think he opens up at five k, and his ceiling would be like six and a half seven. Yeah. See, in my head, I had like 5.8, 5.9 as like his normal price, which I feel like on from here and there, he's going to be playable. Yeah. So I'm looking at his numbers in Sacramento. And now granted, he played a crazy amount of minutes that season. Yeah. But he had an assist rate of 48%. He averaged almost 12 assists a game playing with DeMarcus. I think that that pairing works because, you know, DeMarcus yeah. wants the ball and, you know, Rondo does not want the ball. So, yeah, so he did he did play like 48 minutes a game there for like an extended period of time though so yeah he finished with like 36 minutes a night on yeah average. i don't i don't think that that's gonna happen again for sure i'm not banking on him getting yeah. 11 and a half assists a night but <laughs> i think that he has you know eight assist upside and yeah. the real reason i'm buying him is his three-point shooting at the end of last season now i don't know if that's real it could be a short you know fluky situation but post All Star break, on roughly 2.6 attempts per game, he shot over 46 percent from three. I just we've seen enough Rondo. There's no way that I'm buying into him having a, a shot, let alone an outside game. Like I just can't. I mean, I guys, can't see that staying there. Guys develop jump shots. You know, Jason Kidd morphed into a good three point shooter at the end of his career. I think it's possible. Now, I'm not saying he's going to be 46 percent. That's ridiculous. But if he can shoot, you know, 38, 39% from three and space the floor a little bit with what we know he can do with the assist numbers, I think it'll be hard to take him off the court. And then that definitely can lead to a bigger fantasy role. So I'm buying him. I don't mind taking him in season long drafts as a flyer at the end of your draft. And I'm probably going to be paying for him at the beginning of the season when he comes back from injury, depending on what his price is. Yeah. How long is he out for? It's a couple weeks, right? I saw four to six weeks. The okay, most, yeah. uh, the most optimistic expectation puts him missing about 11 games or so. Okay. Which isn't too bad. Right. All right. Let's talk about an X factor here. You want my, uh, my big shocking 
reveal here. All right, you I'm me, ready. You want me to go first? Yeah. I think I think it's the bigs. <laughs> <laughs> it took me a long time to figure that one out, but I mean, whether this team wins games or not is is dependent on how those two play together. Period. Like that. That's it. Like that's the whole roster. Like who's your X factor? Tell me. Ian Clark. Yeah, I I thought about him. I really, really did, and I, I just went the more obvious uh, obvious approach. But I mean, yeah, Ian Clark is actually a really good one. I got to give that to you. I just I just think that they're gonna need to play these two big guys to, together successfully, right? You're gonna need to to really space the floor with the rest of your team. I think. Yeah. Yeah. So I think Clark brings that certainly more than you know a guy like Tony Allen does, who is another guy that I like, and uh, you know we'll see what kind of role he can carve out, but. That's why I think Rondo's the real answer for me is Rondo's three point shooting it as an X factor. But since I already talked about that, I'll say Ian Clark as well. I have no issues. I'm not going to argue with you on Ian Clark. I think that was a great signing for them for exactly what you just said. It's going to be floor spacing, which is going to be really, really good for the system they want to run with these two bigs. So, um, but yeah, I mean, this roster is is a hot dumpster fire. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> outside of the it's not great. It's, it's not great. But we're about to talk about just another uh, terrible roster, so we'll get there in a second. Well, first, I want a bold prediction for this team. Bold prediction yeah. is that the Pelicans, along with who was my other one, LA, the Lakers. They, the Lakers and the Pelicans both make the playoffs. All right. Well, you've got a lot of stake riding in the Pelicans and Demarcus Cousins in particular after our last boy, podcast. So boy, I'm going in the other direction. Uh, I say that for the second year in a row, DeMarcus Cousins is traded at the All-Star break. Wow. Hey, man, I'm not going to argue with you. but if It's either going to go one of two ra- ways, Why would right? they do that, though? Why would they Why would they have made that move just to trade him 365 days later? He's a free agent in the offseason, and if things don't look like they're working, the piece that you have to protect here is Anthony Davis. He's oh, the one sure. that you're building around in the long term. And if you don't think that it's going to work with with Cousins and Davis, you got to get what you can get for him and flip him. So we'll see. I mean, that's a sort of a worst-case scenario if things don't go well. I could totally see them making the playoffs if things do go well. But, again, I'm kind of leaning more towards them not being a playoff team this year. You're trying to get everybody traded, man. I like trades, man. I mean, that's... (laughs) (laughs) Well, you follow the right sport then, that's for sure. Yeah, that's the NBA with the new salary stuff is great for that. I really think the NBA is flourishing right now. This off season was outrageous. Absolutely. It was, this whole off season was drunk. So, all right, let's move on to the Dallas Mavericks. They are coached by Rick Carlisle. This is his tenth year with the team. Last year they were thirty three and forty nine. They were twenty third in offensive efficiency, tied for fifteenth in defensive efficiency, and twenty ninth in pace. The defensive efficiency there undersells them a bit defensively. They were basically across the board last year, a team that you did not want to target in terms of fantasy. They were by far and away the best team against point guards. So uh, even though that they're sort of middle of the pack in terms of defense, the fact that they play so slow kind of uh, undersells how how stingy they are from a fantasy perspective. Over underwise, they are at 35 and a half right now. And they are plus 5,000 to win the division, plus 20,000 to win the West, and plus 50,000 to win the title really not a lot of activity in the offseason they just drafted dennis smith jr and that's about it no other real additions or departures uh, i think they also might have gotten josh mcroberts but that's that's really it um so at this point we'll start with dirk Nowitzki. 
obviously coming to the end of his career here, but what realistically do you expect of him this season? Um, well, to start off, what did he play? 53 games last season. Um, I think that that's definitely a lock. Um, they're not going to play him on back-to-backs. They're not going to play him heavy minutes. Um, I all but ignored Dirk for the majority of the season last year. Now, he, he obviously had his games. They're playing him at the five, which is actually good for DFS value, but... I don't know. I just don't understand why they don't move him to the four, back to the four, play Nerlens, and then just let him play 24 minutes a game. I think they're just going to roll him out there to sell tickets is really my answer for what does Dirk have left in the tank is I think that they're just going to let him go out there on home games and not back-to-backs, and that's about it, man. I think it's, it's, I think it's done. This has got to be his last year, right? Uh, I mean, he signed a two-year deal, I think, but he, it, he honestly, I don't know why he's still playing. Yeah. I'll be honest here, full dis- full disclosure, Dirk Nowitzki is my all-time favorite NBA player. I'm a huge Dirk fan. I have um, no problem with that, actually, because, I mean, he's been awesome his entire career. So Yeah, I mean, I, he's like sixth all-time in points now, which I don't think many people would know. He's just had a, hu- a, a tremendous career, and them beating the Heat the first year of LeBron in Miami was like one of my all-time yeah. top basketball moments. Yeah. That was that was pretty awesome. <laughs> that being you said, you think he's gonna? Okay, here we go. There yeah, we go. he's he's done. He's I mean yeah. he's still an effective player, but he can't play very many minutes. And the fact that they're gonna try and play him at center means that we we should be targeting this team with opposing centers basically every single night. I mean, asking Dirk to box out some of these centers in this league is gonna be a nightmare. I mean, anytime yeah. the Jazz play Dallas. Gobert is going to be a lock for a 20-plus rebound game. Yeah. <laughs> Guys like Drummond? Oh, my God. Right. So I, 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 I'm I, with you on that. I don't really see him as a center, but they want to get all their guys on the floor, and that's the way that they play, you know, Harrison Barnes, Wesley Matthews, Seth Curry, and Dennis Smith Jr. all together is by playing Dirk at center. So I'm with you. I think it'll be like a token start, but... I you know he averaged about twenty six minutes a game last year. I think that would be the most of what you could expect from him this year. Absolutely, that's got to be the ceiling. So let's talk Dennis Smith Jr. He opened up the year as sort of like a sneaky rookie of the year pick. I want to say he was plus nine hundred or so. His odds now are all the way up to the third best, right behind Lonzo and Ben Simmons. He's at plus three fifty. So Dennis Smith Jr. is not sneaking up on anybody this year. Just how high are your expectations for him? Uh, I mean, I think he's good. I think he's going to be the best player on this team in the very near future. Um, yeah, I mean, I think I think they're they're pretty high for him heading into this, but I think he's had a pretty good off season for you know not playing an actual NBA game yet. I think he's he's showing that hey. I'm as good as they're talking about, but I think it's going to be really fun to see because he's on a team that will let him develop. Um, I mean, Carlisle, he's a good coach. Not not that he's had a roster to coach recently, but I think it's a good landing spot for him. Um, yeah, I think he's going to be a DFS play for the entire season. You know, I mean, I think he's going to be one of those guys that we kind of go with, but Seth Curry's going to play well next to him too. So it's going to be a really interesting backcourt. Yeah, I, I'm honestly, I think he's the best player on the team already. <laughs> so, okay. I have no I'm a big fan. Berea led the team last year with use at usage at uh 26.2%. I think that that's basically like the floor for what Smith will have this year. I just see him being a huge part of this offense. So Yeah, I could see that. I could see it being uh, 
uh, uh, drastically higher than that, actually. I could, I could see him being up 27, 28 without even really blinking an eye. Right. So I really like the plus 350 rookie of the year odds for him. I liked it a whole lot more at plus 900, but I think that he would be, he's my pick. He's my pick to win rookie of the year. I don't know if that's a hot take. We sh- we said we struggled with hot takes for this <laughs> team, but. You probably could have used that one because I think Lonzo's already won it as long as he, you know, has a pulse. But, you know. Let's talk a little bit about Harrison Barnes. He's uh, extremely boring. Can I yeah. say that? Am I allowed to say that about Harrison yeah. Barnes? I mean, but, you're allowed to tell the truth, yes. But he was actually a pretty viable option last year on the nights that Dirk didn't play. What are your expectations for him this year? If he's going to keep getting that volume, yeah, he's a safe cash game option. I mean, that's that's what he was all last season because he was getting – I don't know what he ended up averaging, but I mean, he was, we're seeing like 15 shots a game from him and he doesn't do much else. He's not the best rebounder. He's not, he's definitely not going to pass the ball with that kind of volume. But I I think that because they never changed his price. He was like 6.2 on DraftKings for like three months. Yep. (laughs) And he's like, why not play him if he's getting that many shots? Yeah. I think he's going to be exactly what he was last year. Yeah. I'm with you. If Dirk's out, I'll play him. Otherwise I'm not touching him. Last year, without Dirk, he had a usage rate of about 28% and played 30, 36 minutes a game. Averaged just about 32 DK points. So, cash game viable on those nights. Otherwise, I think we can leave him alone. All right, let's talk X-Factor. I have a feeling we're both talking about the same guy here. Yeah, I mean, I, it, it, it's the rookie is who I got. I, Ooh, I think okay. Noel's, no, I think Noel's big here, but I, I think it's, it's does Dennis Smith live up to the hype as their X-Factor? I mean, that's probably the true X factor for the team, but I'm going to talk about Noel a little bit, especially on FanDuel with the increased emphasis on the defensive statistics. It's a really good point. Yep. He is going to win tournaments this year on certain nights. Are you afraid of him coming off the bench, though? I am, but I think he can still average 24 to 28 minutes a game. Okay. And that obviously is is the best case scenario in terms of Dirk's health. If Dirk gets hurt, I think Noel could get up to the thirty minute threshold. So yeah, I think Noel's gonna be one of those guys that we kind of go to the like Harrison Barnes when Dirk's out, play Noel. I feel like that that's where the upside is. Yeah, maybe. I, I think. See, I, I'll I'll have no problem playing him when the team's at full strength. Okay. He is over two steals and blocks per thirty six minutes for his career. So. I don't think that anybody in the league matches him in terms of the steel plus block upside. And those are the kind of guys that can have big nights in limited minutes. So I'm all over Noel. I love him in season long leagues. Um, I just, a couple of articles went up that I wrote about season long drafts and I think I wrote about Noel in both of them. So I I want all the Noel this season. I'm not going to argue with you. I personally love him as a basketball player. I just, I wasn't, a fan of what how they how they used him really. I, I just think that he's got more upside than Carlisle's giving him credit for. Yeah, I think they want to just be careful because he's battled some injuries. So, but again, if we're thinking that Dirk doesn't play very many minutes, I think Noel should, you know, ha- have as much run as he can handle coming off the bench. I have no problem with that. I mean, there's not much to cut into his playing time, and we've seen what Powell can do. We've seen what Josh McRoberts can do. So. All right, uh, that's going to be my bold prediction, is that Nerland's Noel is going to win the Comeback Player of the Year. I'm not 100% sure how that award works, because he did kind of play last season, but I think if he comes back and plays like Philly Noel, he'll he'll be in consideration. 
Yeah, I my hot take isn't it's 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 kind of a lukewarm take. It's probably kind of just a take. Uh, I actually think Noel will be the leading rebounder on this team. So I'm right there with you. I'm a fan of this guy. I know that I've kind of sounded like devil's advocate here over the past five minutes, but I'm a fan of him. I think he's a good basketball player, and I don't think they have anybody else on this team that can rebound. So I'm going to give that to him. Definitely a fair prediction. Hey, sports fans! Football season's here, and it's time to get in on the action with my bookie. MyBookie is the industry-leading sports betting website that offers real Vegas odds on football, baseball, and all your favorite sporting events. You can take a side, the total, or even fantasy points props. MyBookie lets you bet online and win big. Did the game already kick off? Don't sweat it. MyBookie has in-game live betting on every major league and event even esports. There's no better time to join MyBookie than today. Go to MyBookie to open an account and start winning. Use promo code CHAMPION when you register for your account and get a 100% sign-up bonus up to $1,000 on your first deposit. Bet today. Visit MyBookie's website or call 844-866-2387. That's 844-866-2387. Check them out today and use promo code CHAMPION for a 100% bonus. Terms and conditions apply for entertainment purposes only. Void where prohibited. Okay, let's move on to the San Antonio Spurs. They are coached by uh, this guy, Greg Popovich. Have you heard He's of him? He's pretty good. I, I think I read an article about him one time like three years ago. Yeah, it's his 22nd year with the Spurs. Uh, they were 61-21 and 21 last season. First in defensive efficiency and seventh in offensive efficiency. So just a really good season from a really good team that's been good for a really long time. Uh, this year, Vegas has them taking a step back. 54 and a half wins is their projection. They are minus 110 to win the division, plus 750 to win the conference, and plus 1200 to win the title. That is tied for the fourth best odds this season. In terms of additions, they added Rudy Gay and Joffrey Laverne, and they lost Dwayne Dedman, Jonathan Simmons, and David Lee. So, doubting the Spurs has historically just been about the dumbest thing you can do in the NBA. But is this the year that they take a step back? I, I kind of just feel like it might be. I'm going to go ahead and just get my hot take out of the way and say they don't win this division. That, that That's my hot take. Um, I think they're still going to be good. I think they're obviously still going to make a run in the playoffs. But I, I think this is the Rockets year for this. So, uh, But yeah, and Kawhi not starting the season is not going to be great for him either, if we're being real. That's, that's a huge factor. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, they're talking like he could be back. They didn't want to give a timetable, but they were saying that he was supposed to be back for regular season. So I feel like it's not going to be an extended thing. But if this lingers the whole year, not having him at 100%, I mean, even 80% of Kawhi is damn good. But uh, not having 100% Kawhi is really going to hurt them, you know, in April slash May. Yeah, I think the one thing that we know about the Spurs is they won't rush him back. And yeah, and that's good. That is That's a really good point for sure. You know, when he's they'll they'll wait until he's 100 percent and ready to play and then and then they'll put him back in. So uh, I'm not overly worried about that. But I do agree with you that Houston, in my opinion, is the team to beat in this division. They're just they're just on paper. They're just so much of a better team. But again, like I said, doubting the Spurs is not not a smart thing to do. They're sharp money on the over on their 54 and a half wins. So it's not going to shock me if they're close to a 60-win team yet again. That's just how good these guys are. Greg Popovich will have four guys that, you know, we don't really even think about right now who are, you know, major pieces by the end of the rotation. That's that's uh, that's just how they do it. He could, he could make us relevant, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
And I'm not good at basketball. Sorry, I didn't preface that. I'm five <laughs> foot eight and unathletic. So <laughs> let's talk about Kawhi Leonard. So assuming he does get back to full strength, do you think that he can take another leap forward this year? What's leaping forward for him? Like, I mean, can you get much better than he is right now? It's going to be tough. It's I mean, he is tough. so, so good. I mean, he's talented on both ends of the court. I mean, he's clearly the best player on this team. He's clearly one of, if not the best player in the NBA right now. I mean, I don't know if he can get much better. I would I would love to see it personally, but I don't know what what else the man can do. Yeah, that's – I'm with you. I mean, his usage last season was 31.1%. That is extremely high for a Popovich offense. It really is. Tim Duncan never had a usage rate that high in his in his whole career, and he's one of the ten best players in the history of the NBA. Yeah, you know, Tony Parker and David Robinson hit that hit that number once. So I don't think that he can take another step forward in that department. And he's already incredibly efficient. You know, he shot forty eight and a half percent from the field, thirty eight percent from three last season. So unless you see him becoming you know, a better like assist guy or suddenly racking up more rebounds. I just don't think that there's much more ceiling for him in terms of fantasy purposes. Yeah, I, I mean, you said it perfectly. I don't, I don't know. I, I kind of hope there is though, because there were, there's nothing better than seeing Kawhi Leonard get better. Because oh, yeah. man, watching him develop has been ridiculous. <laughs> he's he's amazing. He really, yeah, is. he really is. Anybody else that you're looking at? on the Spurs to be a regular contributor here? I mean, obviously LMA, I know he's unhappy, quote unquote, you know, and, but I think that pop is just finally just going to let him shoot. Um, not Portland LMA, but you know, get him a few more touches. Cause he's much, much more active on both ends of the courts when they actually let that man shoot. So obviously he's going to be huge, but I, I don't want to say it, but I actually think Rudy Gay is going to play a bigger part in this team than we want to give him credit for. I feel like it's a really good landing spot for him because Pop's not going to put up with his shit. Um, I don't look at Rudy Gay as this elite level NBA player. I don't think this is like an elite level signing at all, but I feel like he's going to play a pivotal role on this team off the bench and potentially as a starter uh, with Kawhi out and you know us not knowing how long Kawhi is going to be out right now. Yeah, I mean, Rudy Gay is the ultimate X factor for this yeah, team. Yeah, so, 100%. That is who I had listed as my X factor. So I, I agree with you 100% on that. What he gives the team is going to be big. I mean, in my head, I don't see it as a great fit. You know, I think of him more as like an ISO, you know, mid-range type of player, which is the opposite of the, the system that the Spurs run. But if anybody can get him to fit in, it's Popovich, right? So... He's a clearly an elite talent, and we'll see how he fits. I mean, I, I have my question marks, but for them to hit their ceiling, they're going to need Rudy Gay to, to really be a good player this season. Yeah, I, I feel like he's probably just going to fill in the Jonathan Simmons role, right? Come in, he's going to be allowed to play ISO. And, you know, coming off the bench once Kawhi's healthy, I think that's going to be really good for them because they've just got a better version of what they had last year. So uh, I, I think that there's going to be upside with him as, you know, as a, Real basketball and for fantasy, I think it's going to be really interesting with him being in this situation because I was kind of shocked he landed there. Yeah, I think they're going to need much more from him than what they got from Jonathan Simmons last season. But oh, 100%, definitely. When's Tony Parker supposed saying. to be back? That's that's like December, right? Yeah, December's, December, January. Because I just thought he'd be done personally. Yeah, that's another X factor I think on this team is how the point guards play without Parker. Yeah. I mean, I'm a huge Patty Mills guy. He averaged 
roughly 24 DK points per game when Tony Parker missed games last year. So I think he will certainly assume a bigger piece of the offense, and he's a an elite shooter. But they've also got, you know, DeJounte Murray. That kid could potentially be a star. So yeah. they're going to, I think, give him the start, assuming that he's healthy at the start of the season, and see what they've got. I mean, they got to try and figure it out here, and it wouldn't shock me if he's another gem that the Spurs have unearthed. So I think that he's going to be another guy in determining how far their season goes. Yeah, I agree with that too, for sure. He's definitely got he's definitely got a really high ceiling. All right, so your bold prediction was that the Spurs are going to lose the division. Uh, I think that's fair. I'm gonna echo the same. I'm gonna echo the same hot take. How about that? Spurs I, I do mean, not win the division. Smart men think alike. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so if they're winning, they're losing. Then I think we both have said that Houston is gonna win. They are coached by Mike D'Antoni. This is his second year with the team. Uh, Last year, they won 55 games. They were second in the league on offense, uh, tied for 17th on defense, and third in the league in pace. Their over-under this year is at 55.5 wins with minus 125 juice on the over. They're only slight underdogs to win the division at plus 110, and then they are plus 1,000 to win the conference and plus 1,600 to win the title. They brought in Chris Paul. Also brought in P.J. Tucker, Luke Richard and Bahamute, Tariq Black, Zhao Ki, uh, I'm sorry if I pronounced that incorrectly, and Tim Quarterman. Departures were Patrick Beverly, Sam Decker, Lou Williams, and Montrez Harrell. So the the Chris Paul and James Harden pairing, I think, is the number one question of the season in my eyes. Yeah, I mean, it kind of has to be. Um I mean, I don't want to get long-winded about this. I feel like it's going to work. Um, Harden's really never played next to a guy of this level. At, well, let me let – me, let me I just said the wrong <laughs> statement. Hasn't played next to a guy like this since joining Houston. <laughs> um, you know, I, I just – I think it's I think it's going to be really good. I think Chris Paul takes a huge hit in fantasy value. But uh, as for Harden, I don't, I don't know if it's going to hurt him that much. Obviously, he's not going to put up 16 assists a game. But, you know, if he, he I still think that double digit assist is not out of the question for him on a regular basis. And he's still going to take all the shots. I mean, you said it yourself on, I think, the last podcast, Chris Paul, he likes to pass, man. <laughs> he likes to pass. So I think Harden's shot volume isn't really going to go anywhere. I, I feel the same way. I think his usage might go down a tick. He was fourth Definitely. in the league in usage last year. Yeah. But I think where Paul really hurts him is in his assist percentage. He assisted on over 50% of the Houston makes last year that, that obviously he wasn't involved in shooting the ball. Yeah, that is so insane. That's, that's got to come down. That's got to come down. That. Chris Paul was fourth in the league in that department. So I think that unless Paul really embraces becoming just a, a spot-up shooter, which, by the way, I think he would be a lead at. Definitely. I think it's going to be a little bit more of a back-and-forth partnership. And – I will say I do love that Dan Tony has said that those guys are not going to play a ton together, meaning, you know, one is always going to be on the court. They'll probably each get, you know, 10 to 12 minutes a game playing without the other guy, which is awesome for their fantasy value. Uh, and for that reason, I'm, I'm still buying both of them. I just think that their prices might need to come down a bit to start the season. I guess we'll see with Harden, right? If Harden's going to be priced like he was when he was playing by himself, He's probably going to be an early season fade for me. But if they over aggressively price him down because of the pairing, then I think I'm going to buy. 
Yeah, I, I obviously I I don't even know if Wednesday's prices are up yet, but I haven't looked at them if they are. Like if Harden's twelve five, yeah, no, I'm good on that. But if he's ten five, I'm all over that. And I think Paul's probably going to be in I don't know what eight five maybe nine. Yeah, that on DraftKings. Fair. That sounds yeah. fair. So I, I just I feel like when it all works itself out, whether it be at the beginning of the season or you know a month into it, I feel like the prices are going to work themselves out to the point where they're playable again because they are going to eat at each other. I mean, this is the exact same conversation we have with Anthony Davis and DeMarcus Cousins. I mean, it's it's just it's a usage thing, it's a volume thing, but I feel like with this system. You know, D'Antoni's system, they can make anybody a viable DFS option. So I feel like it's a good fit for him. They're going to be a lot of fun to watch, like a lot of fun to watch. So I pulled it up real quick. James James Harden is 10K and Chris Paul is 8K. Yeah, I think they're both. Night. The, who so, they play? They're playing Golden State on the Tuesday, two <laughs> games late. Oh, man, I completely forgot that that was that game. Um, yeah, I think they're both playable. I mean, that's kind of a tough matchup, if we're being real. But I mean, it's going to be a super pace matchup, though. God, that's going to be second That's opening night is, is Houston and Golden State. That's incredible. Yep, and then Boston and Cleveland is the is the first <laughs> game. So. Oh, it, LeBron has to play in that game, right? Like, this, the whole thing he could miss the opening game is nonsense, correct? Uh, I really hope so. I, God, man, Kyrie, is it in, it's got to be in Cleveland, too, right? It is in Cleveland. Uh, <laughs> Kyrie is trying to go for 50. Oh, God. I cannot wait for Tuesday. I'm oh. so glad this is back. <laughs> All oh. right. Let's 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 get back to Houston. Clint Capella, I think, is a uh, a strong player. He's just had some questionable minute loads. Do you think this season we can rely a little bit more on him? Yeah, I, I think some of their depth is gone now. Um, obviously, Nene's still there, but he's got that uh, old designation next to him. Uh, the big seven foot seventeen Chinese guy that I don't know how to say <laughs> his name. I don't see him playing tons of minutes. So yeah, I think Clint Capella. He's flashed it in the preseason already. I mean, Chris Paul got really really good at throwing lobs. Harden's already there. Um, I, I think Clint Capella gets some really, really easy buckets by having these two guys on the court playing with him. So I think it's going to be a good year for him. Do you think they would ever consider playing Capella and Nene or Nene? I always say his name wrong. I say it both ways on every I, podcast. Uh, what is the actual correct way? I say Nene. I think it's Nene. Okay. <laughs> I called him Nene for a long, long time. But when that song came out, Nene, I had to stop. Right? And then all of a sudden yeah. he was like, no, it's Nene. Anyway. Yeah. Do you think those guys could play together at certain points? Oh, I mean, Nene has a nice mid-range game, so I don't think the spacing would be that terrible. But I don't, I don't know if I love that, especially for this team because they play small and fast. I don't know if having two seven-foot guys out there is going to play them, you know, work very well for the system. All right, so yeah, I I agree with that, and I think on most nights Nene is going to still command twenty minutes a night. Yeah. So that means there's only 28 left for Capella. So I'm not I'm not overly bullish on him to start the year. I do think that if he gets the opportunity, he's a buy. Like he's clearly talented and it's an amazing situation to play in, playing with two of the best passers in the league. But if he's not going to get a ton of minutes, I, I, I think I'm going to be scared to go there on most nights. With his average price point, though, I don't – I mean, you're paying in the 5K, maybe low 6K range on DraftKings for him. In 28 minutes, I mean, he still has double-digit rebound upside with a handful of blocks. I mean, as long as he can get 
six or seven easy baskets. Like, I mean, there's tons of upside for his price point, you know, even in 28 minutes, we've seen him do it, but I mean, I agree with you. It's not, I don't necessarily know if he's going to be a cash game play, but as a GPP option for the price range that he normally is, I still like him. I think, you know, in the right matchup, he could be a monster. Maybe, maybe I'm underselling his upside. I mean, he is only 5,600 on the opening night slate, which is definitely pretty fair. His uh, per 36 minutes last year, he averaged roughly 40 DK points. So, Whew. yeah, so he's talented. But <laughs> I didn't actually think it would be that steep, even after I just talked him up. Like, I didn't think it would be there. That's it, actually pretty impressive. Yeah, but again, like at 5,600, we kind of need 40. So I get that he can do better than that in spurts, but he's more of a fade for me than a play early in the year. It's okay that we disagree on him a little. Yeah. What What do you think about the rest of the rotation? Anybody in particular intrigue you? I mean, Eric Gordon's pretty good at basketball. He's not <laughs> um, bad. Yeah, he's he he can do that thing from behind that that line that's far away from the basket pretty well. Um, I mean, yeah. I mean, these other guys, we know what they are. They're 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 three point shooters. Trevor Reese is going to play some defense. Um, I think a lot of Houston's depth is gone, which makes me want to hate on them, but I still just think that what they have is so good that I'm just going to overlook the lack of depth that they used to have. Um, But yeah, I mean, this is a fun team. This is a team built for what D'Antoni likes to run, and I actually, I, I like when teams do that. They... They brought in a squad that can, you know, play the six seconds or less. I mean, that's 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 important for D'Antoni's system, and they 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 play it very very well. They're going to set some more NBA records, I think. Yeah. So their depth is absolutely horrid. Yeah. I mean, they've got PJ Tucker on the bench, who I think is a fine piece, and Eric Gordon and Nene. But other than that, there's not like a viable NBA player on the roster. Mba Mute can come in and play some defense for him. I just think that the outside of Eric Gordon, their bench is lacking offense. I mean, Gordon and Nene, I mean, you can only run so much pick and roll with those two. Um, I, I just think that, but I don't think that they're done. I don't think that this is the full roster that they're going to bring to the playoffs. I would be shocked if they didn't make, you know, uh, I don't want to say an all-star break because it's actually what, it's like a week or two before the all-star break. They, they changed the date now. Oh, um, okay. But yeah, so I, I, I could see them making a, a move or two for a, just a couple of cheap pieces, you know, rentals for the playoffs. But for sure, I don't see that this being the roster heading into late April, early May. Right. And like we talked about, the bench is going to be buoyed by one of Chris Paul or James Harden. Definitely. You know, one of the two of them that's, is that's a really be good point yeah. with the bench unit. Yeah. So I was initially concerned, but then I was like, oh, never mind. Like they have they're going to have one of the 10 best players in the league playing on their bench unit, essentially. So and they don't have to play hard in 48 minutes to accomplish that. <laughs> right. It's, <laughs> it's yeah, really it's, good for this team. Yeah, It's going to be excellent. So I'm with you. I kind of like Ariza as a cash game option in, you know, certain matchups. Yeah. I was kind of thinking about it in my head. I think that their best lineup this year might be Ariza at the four and Gordon at the three. Ryan yeah. Anderson did shoot 40% from three last year, but he gives you virtually nothing else. So yeah, he's not he's not playing defense. He's not rebounding the ball. I actually, I, I they ran Ariza at the four quite a bit last season. So right. I feel like Anderson got better. hurt for a while, and Ariza yeah. played the four sort of out of necessity. And he was yeah. awesome at the four. So he's I, awesome I, wherever you put him, though. Yeah, Ariza, he's, that's he's a, a good player. Man. He's, he's great. A good yeah, for sure. And then PJ Tucker is a similar version of Ariza, not a good shooter, but gives you all the other stuff. So I think we might see less minutes for Ryan Anderson this year. Yeah, it wouldn't shock me. He played like trash at home too. I don't understand what that was. Sight lines or something, but Ryan Anderson 
was not great to start the season. I don't know how we finished off with the numbers, but all right, you got an X factor for me. Uh, I mean, I, I, Eric Gordon was the guy I wrote down. I mean, yeah. it's it's just you know six man of the year. It's probably not a hot take for the X factor there. <laughs> I'm with you too. I think he's important for this team. Um, he was better playing off the bench last year than in the starting lineup. I think that's going to be an important role for him again. Definitely. All right, you got a hot take for me. I mean, my I, it, it just kind of goes with the Spurs when I think they this is this who this is who wins the division. All right, so this is maybe I don't know maybe this isn't even a hot take, but this is kind of how I would do it if I was coaching the team. I would bring James Harden out of the game first if I was coaching the Rockets this season. Okay. So I like the idea of Chris Paul playing with the starters and then Harden getting to play with Gordon and Nene and some of the other guys that are returning that he already has a little bit more chemistry with. Does that make any? Does that make sense? Or yeah, so basically, you're having Chris Paul play the first twelve with James Harden coming out with like you know after eight and then starting the second quarter. Yeah, maybe even six. Yeah. But okay. Yeah. So I think that Harden is my is the guy that comes out first. I don't know if if most people are going to necessarily agree with that because he was you know second in the MVP voting last year, but I don't think it really matters ultimately. I just think that for their offense, I think that's how they're going to look the best. Yeah, I don't disagree with that. And getting James Harden X amount of minutes against the other teams, the opposing teams twos. Oh, yeah, I'm fine with that. Just, just good night, absolutely <laughs> good how, night. That is how you get buckets. So, all right, let's finish up here. We've got your team. Oh, the world's best team, the best okay. team in the division. According I forgot to these guys were here. The Memphis Grizzlies, <laughs> uh, second year coached under David Fisdale. They were 43 and 39 last year. So, you know, I don't know why you're hating on them so hard. Because uh, I watch them sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> tied for 18th in offensive efficiency, tied for 6th in defensive efficiency, paced down at 28th. Uh, their over under this year is 37.5. Division odds are plus 3,300 on the division, plus 15,000 for the conference, and plus 30,000 for the title odds. Can I just say, I'm surprised that the over-under on this team is so low. I, I mean, unless you think that 43 wins was, like, way out-kicking the talent level, are they saying that Zebo is worth five and a half wins? Um, Kind of. I think, I mean, you got to remember, number one, Tony Allen was the anchor of this defense, so losing him is kind of What did Tony too. Allen play, like 20 minutes a game last year? It, 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 but it was 20 minutes of defense, and he's locking down. I mean, he like last year he wasn't that great, but like Tony Allen's played a role for this team. I'm not a huge fan of the guy. I'll fully admit that. But I, I, I mean, these guys played big minutes for us. Like, and Zebo was a bench was a bench guy. Like that. That's so big. I I think that there. This is going to be an off. The reason I think that I don't think the Grizzlies. My hot takes. They don't make the playoffs. Right. Uh, they have made the playoffs seven straight years. Um. I, I don't think they're there. I think the defense takes a huge step back um, because I feel like Fisdale's finally going to try and get these guys to play up pace. Uh, there were only, what, two teams that were worse than them last year when it comes to pace. Um, that's what Fisdale wants to do, and he's never had a – this roster isn't really built to do that. They got rid of Zebo, who really slowed this roster down. They got rid of Tony Allen, who isn't necessarily a transition offense-type guy. Um, I, I think that they're going to try and go up pace, and I think it's going to just – ruin this team because they're not going to be able to do that and i think that they're going to suffer and they're going to lose games because of that interesting i think i would lean over on this team i don't know if they're necessarily a playoff team but i think they're probably closer to 500 than they are 
to like 35 wins. That's just my opinion. Um, in addition to losing Zach Randolph and Tony Allen, they also lost Vince Carter and Troy Daniels. And addition-wise, not a ton of help. They brought in Tyreek Evans, Ben McLemore, Ivan Rabb, although he's going to spend it looks like a, a solid portion of the year in the uh, the G League. Dylan Brooks and uh, Mario Chalmers making his return to United States basketball. So the reason that I love this team so much, not love this team, but the reason I think that, that I would go over on this team is just because Mike Conley is just a boss. God, you know, uh, are you are you trying to make me blush over here? I love I, Mike Conley. I love you. You know that? <laughs> I love you. Thanks, yeah, Mike man. Conley is uh he's really, really good and nobody wants to call him that. Um he is excellent on both ends of the court he can run an offense though his assist numbers really don't show that but uh if we counted hockey assists in this sport he would get a lot of them uh him and mark are not only best friends but they're you know they're it's it's fun to watch them on the court together they they almost read each other's minds at times um conley is the best when he's actually aggressive because he is Fully capable of scoring the ball in you know in the high twenties, early low thirties. Uh, he just doesn't always want to do it, and the fact that him and Mark are the exact same way at times uh, can can really really cause them games. But whenever one of them turns it on, if both of them turns it on, this is a tough team to beat. But like I said earlier, I think the the defense comes down a bit because the scoring load is going to be back on those two guys again, and you know they're going to fatigue is a, is a thing that you have to think about. So yeah, I, I think Mike Conley's pretty good at basketball, but. Uh, it's tough to see it on a regular basis because of the stats and nobody, everybody wants to see stats, you know, nobody's watching Grizzlies games. So it's tough to call him good when you're not watching the games. I mean, his stats are still pretty impressive, but he, they're not like they're Western not conference, like, all-star numbers. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's probably not going to make an all-star team again, but he upped his scoring by over five points a game last year and increased his field goal percentage and his three point percentage. He shot almost 41% from three last year. And, t- and took nearly three more threes a game. So I love Conley, and I think that he can continue to even improve upon those numbers uh, without Zebo this season. So we'll, we'll skip ahead a little bit, because Zebo, I ha- he was first on the team in usage last year, third in field goal attempts per game. Him coming off the bench was huge there. That, yeah. that, I mean, that kind of that kind of skews the numbers a bit. Um, but yeah, he was, I mean, he was their go-to off the bench, and he closed a lot of fourth quarters too. So that's my big question is where does his usage go? I mean, do you think that Conley and Gasol get the majority of that? Because if so, I think they could both have really, really big seasons. Do you think maybe a guy like Tyreek Evans gets a, a bench-type role like that? I'm I'm legitimately just not sure because I've looked at this roster and I just don't know who the third guy is going to be. All right. For the starters, um, I'm pretty sure I've already stated on this podcast, I think it was the first one we did, that I think Chandler Parsons is the worst basketball player in the National Basketball Association. (laughs) Um, So I'm not going to say it's coming from him. Um, They paid Jermichael Green. Um, I think that they're going to try to get him some usage. I think Conley and Gasol go up by quite a drastic amount. But when we're talking about the bench – um, we'll bring this up. My X factors, Mario Chalmers. He was fantastic for us two seasons ago before he uh, ruptured his Achilles. Um, I think he's going to fall back into another massive role off the bench for this team. And, uh, I hate to say it cause I don't really know your feelings on him, but I absolutely love the game that Tyreek Evans brings to the court. And, uh, I think he is, you know, he played here for, uh, here being Memphis, uh, for his college years. Um, I think he's going to fall right into this rotation. I think he's going to have a massive usage right off the bench. 
So that, yeah, that's what I'd love to see for Tyreek is for him to play the majority of his minutes with the backup units. Definitely. I think that's what they're going to do for sure. Yeah, I hope that that's the case because I I think he's the most logical answer for a guy who can, you know, kind of do it himself on the the bench units. Um, Let's talk about Gasol a little bit. We kind of grazed over him. He's kind of a weird big man in the fact that his shooting percentages are kind of backwards. Like he's not great from the field, but he shoots at nearly 40% from three and he's not a great rebounder but he can give you, you know, like five dimes a night. So talk about him and just what he does for the offense. He is a a point guard in a chubby seven-footer's body is what he is. Uh, you're right. He can't rebound for shit, um, and he doesn't want to, I feel like, and that's why him and Zebo played really, really well together because they had the roles. Right, um, this all looked at every rebound like yeah, it was a team everything. It was, it was all his, man. That's all he wanted to do. Um, you know, I mean, Gasol is – he is – as good as Conley is, this is Gasol's offense. He runs this offense. They run it through the seven footer quite often. Um, and that's why his assist totals are, I mean, he is, I mean, he's up there with Jokic. He's up there with Horford. He's up there. I mean, he's a really, really good passer. Um, it's actually kind of funny to watch a guy that you would look at and say, he doesn't have an athletic bone in his body. And some of the stuff he can pull off is actually kind of impressive. Um, but like I said with Conley and I brought it up with Gasol, he's not aggressive at all when he when he wants to be yeah i mean he's a a monster because i disagree with you i actually think his his you know his field goals field goal attempts his percentages don't really reflect it but i think he's actually a better shooter than people want to give him credit for um he's got a mid-range game he can shoot the three he doesn't want to bang in the paint which you know dude you're giant please go down there (laughs) you know like we need some help michael green is a tiny tiny four so i mean it's I don't think we're ever going to see Gasol's ceiling just because I don't think he has the genetic makeup to let us see that ceiling because he's just not that aggressive. He can't be be that guy consistently. Well, I hope you're wrong, and I hope that we get to see it a bit this year. I think Zebo leaving might open up the door a tiny bit. He did average 37 DK points a game in the nine games last year that he played without uh, Randolph. So I think it's possible for him to take a step forward. And I think, obviously, for the sake of the team, those shots are better off going to Conley and Gasol than than virtually anywhere else. Couldn't agree more with that. Yeah, for sure. All right. So I know you hate him, but Chandler Parsons is my X factor here. Oh, my God. I got to go, Matt. I'm sorry. <laughs> All right. I'll finish up. I'll, I'll text Good you later. Good Lord. He, in my opinion, is the key to this team. They need to get something out of him. Yeah, they need to get $90 million out of him is what they need to get. <laughs> well, that's not Jeez. happening. That's not happening. So I'm I'm about as down on J. Michael Green as you can get. I'm just not a fan of the dude. He might be a guy that if he's getting, you know, 30-plus minutes a night, maybe we can look to him in some cash game situations. But I just don't think he has any upside. You know, he's yeah, never he... going to be a guy that's going to score you, you know, 20 points a game. No, I think you hit the nail right on the head. Actually, I think he is a cash game type guy in a matchup basis, but he doesn't have he doesn't bring the upside that you want in a GPP. I'm not a fan of him either. Um, I think they should have let him walk, but uh, you know they got to play somebody out there. So I guess you know they gave him some money. We're we're all about signing bad contracts around here in Memphis, so it's kind of our thing. Well, the guy that they're gonna play at the four is Chandler Parsons. Oh God! If, you know that's not gonna work. Out. If, if they want to get into a little bit of a running gun type offense, I really think that that's their best bet. Parsons at the four, Gasol at the five, 
Tyreek Evans and then some combination of, you know, Ben McLemore or Mario Chalmers or, you know, Tyler Ennis, James Ennis, whichever Ennis brother is on the... <laughs> it's on, James, it's yeah. <laughs> and we have a Harrison brother, too, if you want to get that to, you know get that out. Um, yeah, no, I mean, I, I think it would make sense, especially considering I'm the one that just said I think they're going to try and play, play, play with pace for the first time ever. Um, yeah, I just think that Chandler Parsons is trash. I hear you. He... Yeah. <laughs> his his knees might be trash or his you know Achilles whatever he hurt might be trash it's his dignity is what's hurt because he knows <laughs> basketball that's, 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 that's why he's on you know injury reports all the time that guy anyway can we agree that if this team is going to be good they're going to need something from some sort of third contributor yeah I mean right. yeah obviously for sure but I don't know if Chandler Parsons is that guy all right let's uh let's get a hot take in here uh, my hot take was that they don't make the playoffs. I mean, and right, okay, I, while, right. while you look at this roster and that might not seem hot, they've made the playoffs seven straight years and they've had worse rosters than this. Um, yeah, I just, I don't, I don't see it. I don't see it happening for them this year. So yeah, I, my hot take is that they are going to finish in the top. We'll go top 10 in terms of offensive efficiency this season. Wow. You do you want me to send you a Grizzlies jersey, man? I feel like you're kind of a fan. I love – I mean, Gasol and Conley are two of my favorite players. They're, I feel like I've said yeah. that in every podcast. I've said that there's like, <laughs> like like one team at least has one of my favorite players. But I really do like this Grizzlies team, and I want to see what these guys can do playing a little bit more up-tempo this year. Because I do think that they're they're incredible floor spacers, great passers, great decision makers, and I'd like to see them get a few more opportunities to do – you know what they do in games this season. So maybe it's a little bit of an optimistic take, but I'm hoping that they can up the pace and up the offensive efficiency this year. Hey, I truly hope so too. I I just I'm a pessimistic type guy, so um but yeah, no, I mean I, I, I easily I could see it. They know how to play together. I mean, the roster turnover really wasn't that bad minus, you know, obviously two big pieces are gone, but I I think that you know, they can still play together. They're still going to be a competitive basketball team. Absolutely. But it's going to take it's going to take a minute for it to click, I feel like. All right, that's going to do it for this NBA edition of On the Daily. I uh, just want to remind you guys one more time that if you want to get the early bird pricing on the Rotoviz NBA pass, you have to sign up before midnight on Sunday. And again, you can get a 30% discount through the podcast homepage that's rotoviz.com/nba-podcasts. All right, for Vince, who you can find on Twitter at WakeWorkWake, I am Matt LaMarca, at Matt LaMarca. Thanks for tuning in. Thank you for listening to On The Daily, the Rotoviz Daily fantasy sports podcast powered by Rotoviz Radio. And special thanks to Randy E. Aguabo for the introduction. Please review the podcast on iTunes under the established Rotoviz Radio feed. Contact us via email on the daily DFS at gmail.com and follow us on Twitter at on the daily DFS. Love a good deal? Sail into the season at Banana Republic Factory's Mega Labor Day Sale. Entire store 50 to 70% off. Dresses from $19.99. Polos from $16.99. Find your nearest store or shop online only at Banana Republic Factory. 
Love a good deal? Sail into the season at Banana Republic Factory's Mega Labor Day Sale. Entire store 50 to 70% off. Dresses from $19.99. Polos from $16.99. Find your nearest store or shop online only at Banana Republic Factory.